Hello and welcome to Neither Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David. Oh, hang on. I forgot to mention Sarah Jane and Torchwood event uh, uh, as well, um, which we, 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 we also do nowadays. This is a good intro, isn't it, Matt? Uh, it's going so far so well. <laughs> so, so, so elegant. It's, you know, I've only had a couple of hundred episodes of practice at this point. But are we up to... No, I forget. How, what are we up to at this point? Uh, 200 I don't track. and something. About 210, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, anyway... <laughs> Um, completely lost my train of thought. Um, I'm joined as ever by the persuasive Matt. Hello there. There he is. Right. Okay. We got into it. We're doing Sarah Jane Adventures again. We're in. We're in series two. We're doing um, the Mark of the Berserker yeah. this week. Yeah. Yeah. So be interesting to get your thoughts on that one. Um, but before we get there, Matt, uh, how's your week been? Uh, well, fortnight. fortnight, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's been lovely, actually. Yeah. Yeah? Um, so the second week of the fortnight, I've been off work. Um, mm. In the, the week before that, I took I took a well-being day off work. Yeah. You know when you're just so fed up of work, you're just like, just not today. I'm just going to have a good day instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so I went to the Dinosaur Museum instead. Uh, mm-hmm. I went and watched... Have you seen the film that's been advertised called The Whale that's meant to win all the Oscars? Uh, I'm vaguely aware of it. Yeah. Um, went and saw I've, that. I've not watched a trailer or anything. Uh, yeah. Obviously took my shoes off in the cinema because I was the only person there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what did you reckon to The Whale then? Um, I, I'd be surprised if it didn't win an Oscar. I don't get the feeling it's one right. of those Oscar fodder films, um, mm. but it was certainly really good. I, I got a lot out of it. It's hard to say I enjoyed it because it's a very sad film. Mm. Yeah, I've never really been into just like films that I don't like. You know, I I, I will quite happily you know I'll cry at, at pretty much any children's film you get to throw at me unless it's an exceptionally bad one. Um, but I, I'm not. I don't go out of my way to watch films that that are trying to do nothing other than be sad. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not keen on a lot of those like Oscar bait. Um, here's just a really sad situation, and everyone's doing really good acting to convey how sad they are. Like it's like yeah, I get I get enough of that in my in my day to day drudgery. Uh, well, this week I also went and watched Ant Man: Quantumania. So I watched a happy film. Oh, well. yeah. Oh, good. Um, how how did that work for you? Uh, I enjoyed it. Again, because mm. I was on half term, because we live right on the border between North Yorkshire and County Durham, I mm. crossed enemy lines into County Durham because they weren't on half term. They're on half term next week. So, again, uh, only sneaky. person in the cinema took my shoes off. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, I've I've been on a bit of a Marvel catch up recently, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in fairly recent succession, I've I've finally got around to watching Thor: Love and Fun- Thunder and uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. What did you think? Didn't love either of them, <laughs> to be honest. 
they kind of had opposite problems for me. Mm-hmm. In that Love and Thunder felt flippant to the point that you couldn't give a toss about it. Yeah. Like, it felt like the filmmakers and the characters didn't care about the situation they were in, so it's then hard for you as an audience member to get invested in it. And it was also too short, which I know, you know, sounds ridiculous. This was a bad film and there wasn't enough of it. (laughs) But, but, you know, that... It yeah, it felt it felt really sort of tossed off. Um, it had a few good moments that I enjoyed, but overall, I don't I don't think it worked. And this is coming from someone who did really enjoy uh, Thor Ragnarok. Other end of the spectrum, uh, Wakanda Forever. God, that film is too long. Yeah, it is a good forty five minutes longer than it needs to be, um, and I and I understand that they are grappling with, obviously, the, 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 the tragic loss of Chadwick Boseman. But having said that, and, and spoilers, uh, skip ahead a couple of minutes, listeners, if you've not watched Black Panther kind of forever yet and, and you want to go into that unspoiled, but I don't think you should that film should have taken up until the two-hour mark to actually have someone don a Black Panther costume. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, that's two hours of just vacillating between sort of five different potential main characters before finally settling on one, which makes it very hard to invest in again. Um, and, and tonally, whilst Love and Thunder was too flippant, Again, I get, I, I get that that you know, respects needed to be paid to Chadwick Boseman and the the you know the incredible, um, hole that he left not not just within the MCU but just the the wider world of Hollywood. But by the same token, uh, I I think maintaining this sort of almost funereal tone for the entire film was a mistake mm-hmm. um because it just it meant it wasn't a fun watch for a lot of it to be honest See, so I, I, i've just yeah. done a quick google just out of my own curiosity mm. when when we started this podcast way back when yeah what do you think was the most recent mcu film Oh, crikey. So it would have been, what, 20, 2018, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to say... It wouldn't have been Captain Marvel, would it? Would it what, no, that, that was the first one Marvel. that was released once we'd started. That was March the 8th, yeah. 2019. Yeah, so I'm now trying to go one back in my head. Was it Infinity War then? No, that was the penultimate one. April 27th. Oh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp, isn't it's it? It's Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. Yeah. Which seems an Which age I think, ago. Yeah, but I, I maintain bloody brilliant film. I I, I, I love the Ant-Man films. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to... I don't know whether I'm going to get an opportunity to see the new one in the cinema or not. I haven't managed to... For, for most of the... Re- I think the last MCU film I actually managed to get to see in the cinema was uh, Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I I I I think they're really they're really solid and different, and and um, yeah. So I hope it's good. I feel like Mar Marvel at the moment are they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, I think, and a surprising amount of it isn't sticking for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, so sorry, listeners. I know this isn't an MCU podcast, no. but um, I'm <laughs> once in a while I get to catch week. up. Last yeah. night I went and watched Garth Marenghi's Teratome live. Oh, how is that? Uh, it's one of the best nights out I think I've ever had. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, it was brilliant. And let me just see. I wrote down a list of things I need to talk about. Uh, whilst I was off work as well, I was lucky enough to guest on Who Can Convince You uh, this week. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just with Harry. Luke wasn't there this week. And Ooh. Harry and I basically, I don't, I don't really know how, because we started with the usual silly topics that we usually talk about. We ended up just having a yeah. real frank discussion about mental health. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so for, for mean... two silly boys, uh, I was pretty proud of it. We had, like, a really good discussion. Cool. Cool. Well, that sounds like that's definitely worth a listen then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, good stuff. And then, I suppose the big news, David, I texted you earlier in the week... Uh, was Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, listeners. We haven't kissed each other yet. Uh, no, no. But, we've we've not organised that. But you may remember last week, David. I was slightly worried that I'd bought a quite poor Valentine's gift. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, it turns out my partner had totally forgotten and was completely unoblivious. So what ended up happening was she then felt really guilty. So I ended up apologising for that as well. Because uh, I bought a present <laughs> and she hadn't. So to ablate herself of guilt, uh, she mm. bought me some Doctor Who gifts. She gifted me a Doctor Who tie featuring the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Also, three lovely painted prints of each incarnation of the Doctor, which now hang in my living room. So... Mm. I think I asked you this in the week, David. If I've got pictures of yeah. the Doctor hanging in my living room, does that make me a Doctor Who fan? I mean, a lot of people would very much take it as evidence of that. Yeah. <laughs> and you have been talking a lot recently about how much you sort of miss getting to talk about Doctor Who. Yeah, but that, that, that was during the Torchwood days. Like, Sarah yeah. Jane Adventures has kind of appeased me a little bit. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, do, do, do you think you're a Doctor Who fan, Matt? I don't know. In my heart, I still think no. Yeah, and and yet, I mean, presumably your, your partner has very much got the impression that, you, that you're... A rabid Doctor Who fan. Yeah, when we went and did a uh, an escape room this week, we did a pirate-themed mm -hmm. one, and it was only when we got there I realised there was a Doctor Who one, and I did say, can we change, please? Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, it's Cybermen. Uh, no one else was as oh, keen yeah, as I, I was. So. Yeah, I really want to do that one. Maybe we should do that one together sometime. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. pick you up on Tuesday, and we'll just go. <laughs> Um, 
but yeah, I, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 like, so, do you do you like do you what do you say to your partner when it comes to Doctor Who? Like, um, what what is her again, understanding of again, your relationship I, I can't with this show? Really, say oh, I don't like Doctor Who because she'll turn up and there'll be like a Doctor Who book everywhere, or like a copy <laughs> of Doctor Who magazine on my bed. And I'll just be like, oh, yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? Don't care for that show. <laughs> and then she'll be like, oh, what are you up to? I'm like, oh, I'm just hanging some artwork of Doctor Who in the living room. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so, okay, here's the question. The TARDIS tie. Yep. Is that going to be making an appearance at work? Oh, I'm going to wear it on Monday, I think. <laughs> yeah. I did used to have one. Uh, but I gifted it to a student as a parting gift. Ah. Uh, there's a student I really so you got liked a when they left. Yeah. I was like, oh, sorry, I haven't got you a gift or anything, but you can have this nice tie if you want. <laughs> ah, awesome. Right, well, there's quarter of an hour on how my week's <sighs> yeah. been. You been up to much? Yeah. Ah. Uh, Gate blew down. You know, you know, it was windy the other day. Oh, yeah, it has been windy, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Woke up one morning, didn't have a gate anymore. Oh, is it the big gate near where I normally park my yeah. car? Yeah. Oh, that's a hefty just, gate. Just, yeah, just completely blown off its hinges. And uh, there's no, you know... I mean, the whole fence had been getting a bit wobbly. And we had reported it to our landlord a while ago. And... and they basically were just like, oh, yeah, whatever, we'll get around to it. <laughs> and we were like, no, no, seriously, it is wobbly. Can you sort it out, please? Because we're paying you literally hundreds of pounds a month and we would like to not have um, our fence blow over in a strong gust of wind. And then lo and behold, uh, yeah, just <laughs> gates gone. And, and when we reported that, they said, oh, don't worry, we'll uh, we'll, we'll send someone around to come and pick it, up, pick it up and take it to the tip. We were like, no, no, don't do that because we've got, we've got a dog and... Mm. That we let our dog out in that garden to, to do his business, and uh, we don't just want there to be a, a, a massive gaping hole leading directly onto the road. Thank you very much. Um, but they ignored us and just took it anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really that's been the highlight of my week, Matt. Having to sort of jerry rig a system using a piece, a piece of some of a neighbour's fence that blew over as a makeshift right. um, uh, gate, being being propped up by two wheelie bins. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I have no response to that, David. Yeah, we've we've had we've had we've had very different weeks. Yeah. This. It's basically all, all I'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, should we do Meal of the Fortnight? Yeah, why not? I think because now we've gone fortnightly, we're just so out of practice. Yeah. This has been an absolute shambles so far. Just like... You uh, think so? Should we do this? Should we do it? Right. I think also it might be the fact that we're recording in the afternoon, so we're we're off our usual rhythm, yeah. aren't we? yeah. Normally, I'm quite tired when I'm recording. Yeah, I'm normally full of gin. So maybe that... Not that. <laughs> um, so talk to me, David. What's your meal of the fortnight? Mm. Well, I hate to disappoint you, Matt, but it's been a very uneventful couple of weeks food-wise for me. So I, I think I'm probably going to have to say last night's meal, where uh, which was um, 
a butternut squash soup and some cheese scones made by my own fair hand. I do love a cheese scone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to stand here and say it was um sort of masterchef quality or anything, but you know, it, it got the job done. So, did you put what about did you, you put Matt? a little bit of mustard powder in your cheese scones? Of course, naturally. Oh, good, good. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I, I've been off work, so I have been eating pretty well this week. Um, but mm. nothing really stands out at me. I did go get a Five Guys burger, and it was pretty nice, but the chips are yeah. too salty. It, I, I was parched. Yeah. Um, I've, I've only been to Five Guys once, and to be honest, I mean... They they seriously need to up their game as far as vegetarian offerings are concerned, because basically, your your choice is um, just some chips or uh, what what they um, ambitiously call a grilled cheese sandwich, which is just a burger bun with a couple of slices of plastic burger cheese melted in it. It's. Uh, pretty depressing i don't know to be fair this is talking from an experience of about 10 years ago they might have upped their game in the interim but certainly my 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 impression of five guys is that vegetarians weren't so much an afterthought as simply not thought about at all um what else have i eaten this week i had some really good waffles yesterday they were nice um oh yeah i went and had a cheeky nando's that was all right Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't know. I, I honestly don't know, David. There's, there's no one standout then. In fact, I'll tell you what my meal of the the fortnight was. Uh, my niece yeah. baked me a Valentine's cookie. That, that's oh. it. Uh, there you go. And it said, "My star man on it." That's her nickname for me. Uh, her name isn't Barbara, but that's I call nice. her Babs, and she calls me Star Man. Um, it's just like our little team like whenever it's like family games or anything we're always a team me and my niece so um, yeah I'm going to go for that so the only thing we've got left to do David is that's besides the point what you've been listening to oh yes indeed well, um, before we get there, I did want to mention that I did listen to the uh, track you recommended, and uh, I had a very immediate response to it, and this might sound like an insult, but it is not intended as such, but I just think it, it immediately brought me back to a very particular vibe and a very partic- particular period in time. It really sort of sounded like the kind of song you would get in a montage sequence in a mid-2000s American comedy film. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> that was like, within within a minute of listening to it, I was like, I, I, I can almost picture it. Um, that's that's kind of the vibe it got me, it, it, it uh, gave me. Which is, like I say, not, not a slight on it at all. Uh, well, I also listened to yours, and it was all right. Yeah. I didn't mind it as much as yeah. I thought I was going to. Yeah, no, Dutch Uncles are a fun band. What about this week? What have you been listening to? Um, well, um, 
on Friday, my um, my partner took uh, little Zorbs to uh, a sort of family friendly concert by a uh, children's singer songwriter by the name of uh, David Gibb. Um, or is it Gibbs? I forget which. Gibb or Gibbs. Um, and in preparation, we'd been listening to some of his music in, in the upcoming weeks. Um, and my favourite, by a long shot, is a track called Long Green Grass, which I, I strongly urge all our listeners to, to check out. It's only a couple of minutes long. Um, and it's got a twist which is very enjoyable. So I won't spoil the twist, um, but it's a, it's a really uh, good little song. What about you, Matt? Um, I don't know. Like, a fortnight's too long to do this because I've been listening <laughs> to all sorts. Um, There's not been any particular thing that you've returned to. Well, I, I think last Monday I went out in Leeds with some of the people I work with and our partners and things. Mm. And we went to a place called Flight Club, which is, it's just a big pub where you can play darts, but but the dart boards have like motion tracking cameras on them. So it adds up all the scores for you and you can play different games. Mm -hmm. Like we played snakes and ladders, but whatever you hit on the dart boards, how far you move and things like that. And I see, you know, when just the mood's perfect and I was having a really good time and all I really needed was for like a good song to come on, really set the mood. Um, and the song that came on was, it's one I haven't heard in years, but it's by the band mm. Air, who will oh, yeah. like electronic music. And it was the song yeah. Kelly Watched the Stars. So this week I've really been hammering the album Moon Safari by Air. It's the one that's got yeah, sexy boy I, in it. That was like their big song. Yeah, I, I, I cannot tolerate that album anymore. Oh, cheers. Because cheers, no, 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 no. It's nothing against the album or, uh, or or anyone who chooses to listen to it. It's because when I was uh, living in halls of residence in my first year at uni. Um, the girl who had the room next to me, and you know, there was walls like cardboard in this in this building. Um, she would pl- She played nothing but that album on a loop for an entire year. It was the literally the only album she ever listened to, mm-hmm. and she was a music student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just I, I um after two weeks of that, I I, I literally couldn't cope because you know just those the, those you know there's there are certain repetitive bass lines and stuff on that album that are just like if 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 I catch them in like a shop or a, or or a pub or whatever, it just like immediately sets my nerves jangling. <laughs> In a way that, that that album is not supposed to, because it's a very chill album. Yes, beautiful. <laughs> it's, but it, but it but it has absolutely the opposite effect on me these days. Right. Well. Really sorry yeah. I said that then. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's 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 fine. Um, like I say, it's 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 not a bad album by any stretch. It's it's um, yeah. I've just had a a, a very particular overexposure to it um 
Yeah. So, um, hmm, what, um, what do we do now, Matt? We don't. We do, is this where we talk about Sarah Jane Adventures? Well, for a bit. I, I, I tried one other new thing. This is the last new thing right. I'm going to try this year, David. Okay. In our whole right. new segment. Um, I, I just asked our listeners if there was any anything they wanted us to discuss. So I've got a couple of quick questions mm-hmm. for you, David. Right, okay. Uh, first one comes from Harry from the Who Can Convince You podcast. Uh, Hello, Harry. He just simply says, why are ABBA the best band that ever was or ever will be? I mean, their music is very catchy, whether you like it or not. Have you got a favourite ABBA song? Honestly, I don't. I'll be honest. When it comes to ABBA, because they're one of those bands that just, you know, is a mainstay of Radio 2 and every commercial radio station and uh, (coughs) all the rest of it, Though I I have them very much in the like, I I don't need to be seeking this out kind of category. That you know whether I like it or not, I'm not going to get through a year without being exposed to ABBA on a few occasions. But as a result, I've never actively engaged with their music, and I think probably the time will have to come fairly soon where I actually give them a proper go and, you know, consciously listen to an album just to see if there's more to it than I've, than I've allowed myself to pick up on in the context of it just being sort of foisted upon me. So, um, yeah, no, I, I can't, I can't say I'm an ABBA fan, but that's almost an intentional choice on my part to not seek out their music. Okay. Um, Next question then comes from the boys over at the Cloister Bell podcast. Uh, Are you not going to answer the ABBA question? Do you not have uh, any... uh, What's your relationship with ABBA? uh, Quite like them. Uh, My favourite's probably Chikatita. And then if I've had a few drinks, my favourite's probably Dancing Queen. Well, there you go. Right. So the boys at the Cloister Bell podcast, David, say... Yes. Batteries... Should we bin them, or should they be recycled? And do they really blow up bin lorries? Well, that's just a straight-up science question, isn't it? And I'm not a scientist. I mean, theoretically, I... they could. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, certainly you're encouraged to recycle them, and I feel like that's not a conspiracy. <laughs> I think there's probably sound reasoning behind the uh being encouraged to uh to recycle them but i okay confession time matt i, I don't always bother nah do you, i just jump mine do in you, the bin do you? fuck the bin men who yeah. cares if they blow up <laughs> there you go that's coming from a science teacher yeah so i did go to the tip this week <coughs> that was pretty awesome i took a full leather recliner chair and washed it and get like compacted mm. it was amazing Wow, yeah. I mean, we've 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 been doing a few tip runs of late, right? And uh, it is cathartic, isn't it? Next question, David, comes from Sonia. Yes. Who simply says, "What is Reading Sonia. the superior pen?" Ooh, I am a big fan of a papermate. Are you t- are you saying a papermate ink joy? 
Um, is that if that the if that's the one the ones that have got the matte finish, and just glide across the page? Well, Sonia says her favourite is the paper make paper mate ink joy. I've just realised wow. I'm writing with a paper mate ink joy, but if you'd have asked me, I'm a big fan of a Stabilo Boss. Oh yes, yeah. They're like high end biros. Hmm. Quite like a Parker pen. Conversely, they're, they're a bit posh, aren't yeah. they? Conversely, um, worst pen has got to be those red. Uh, are they B row again? The uh, red handwriting practice ones that you get in junior school. Oh yeah, they're just like felt tips. God, and they're horrible. It just smudges so much that like yeah. your handwriting looks crap anyway. What? What? Yeah. What? What? Why? Why do schools use those pens? Well, why can you not? When, surely you're you're making life harder for the kids you're trying to teach to write. When when I was at primary school, at one point I had to get tested because they thought I was left-handed because my handwriting was so scruffy. <laughs> then I had to have a test to see if I was like dyslexic, and it just turned out yeah. I've got really scruffy handwriting. But I had to use one of them. I was like, I'm not stupid. Uh, I, I mean, just can't write very well. Yeah, I, I my my handwriting's atrocious as well, especially if I try and do cursive. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen me, if you've ever seen my handwriting, Matt, um, or consciously noticed it. Uh, but uh, I I live in a shouty world where <laughs> everything I handwrite is in block capitals, mm. because if I try and write lowercase joined up. It, my handwriting is so bad that I often can't read it myself. Right. So, I've, so I got into the habit I, of, um, outside of exams, from the age of about 15, I just wrote everything in capitals. I usually do at work if I have to write on the board or anything. just makes it easy yeah. for everyone. Yeah. It does, doesn't right, it? Right, final question, David, comes from Mark at mm. the All of Time and Space podcast. Who just says, what, Hello, Mark. What alcoholic beverages will you be consuming after you've shared your kiss? <laughs> uh, I submitted the answer gin oh. and bleach, but I think I'm going to change that to a nice, tasty rum and cyanide. <laughs> just a full bottle of Listerine, I think. <laughs> Yeah, Listerine and milk. We'll make some sort of minty white Russian out of it. <laughs> right. Well, well <laughs> next week, you, yeah. if, if anyone's got any questions they want me and David to to answer, just just pop them in in the Twitter chat, and we'll we'll solve any problem yeah, people might want to throw our way. Yeah. Right. Okay, then. I think the time has come, Matt. Um, shall we talk a little about? Um, the Mark of the Berserker. Yeah, let's give it a go. Yeah. What did you what did you think of this one, Matt? Good episode? It was okay, but I think we've been on a bit yeah. of a hot streak recently, and I think this is a bit of a dip after the last couple of weeks. Yeah, possibly. Um I think there's one particular element that lets it down, which which we will address in due course. Um the thing that really struck me watching it uh, and really surprised me was 
with this being, and I didn't know this going into it, but this is essentially um, the equivalent of the Doctor Light stories that we'd used to get in in uh, New Who, where you know, like uh, Blink or Flatline or, or, or whatever. But um, so Sarah Jane barely features in this story, and I didn't miss her that much. And, you know, I, I say that as someone who has enormous affection for both the character of Sarah Jane and for Elizabeth Sladen as a performer. But the show coped reasonably well without her there, didn't it? Which is um, an interesting thought. Whereas, I, I, you know, with, with, you know with, with the Dr. Light stories, as good as they are and as compelling as they are whilst they're happening when you get those little bits of the Doctor, you're like, oh, yes, yeah. You know, it, it comes as a, as a sort of relief that you suddenly feel like you're back in a safe pair of hands when the Doctor shows up and fixes everything. But, and they tried to do that here with this story, and it didn't elicit that same feeling from me. Yeah, I, I don't know. That might be like... I honestly don't know. I, I just felt a bit of a dip. bit of a dip. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it, you know, it has it has its strong points as well, which I, I think we'll get to as we as we get into it. But I, I um, sh- shall we uh, shall we dive into this one, Matt? Okay, so this is The Mark of the Berserker. It is from the 3rd and the 10th of November, 2008. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. fourth story of series two, written by Joseph Lidster and directed by Joss Agnew. So, yeah, we... and, I, and I had to look Joseph Lidster up um, because it's definitely a name I've seen around in Doctor Who circles, but I, I, but I was pretty confident had never written for the show itself. And that, that seems to be the case, but he's, I think he did a few Sarah Janes, uh, Torchwoods, a bit, some big finished stuff, and I think maybe a novel or two as well. So, like, someone who's been circling around the wider universe for a while, if you like. Yeah, I've just got him up on Wikipedia, and mm. yeah, he's done some short stories. I think you're right. Wrote a lot of Bernice Summerfield, whoever that is. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I can I can I can tell you who Bernie Summerfield is if you like, but that would derail the pod somewhat. Nah, nah. I'll have a look. I might find out who she is later. All right. Well, uh, to be honest, Matt, if we're still doing this in ten years' time, we'll have probably ended up covering a bit of Bernie Summerfield. Right. Um, right. I'm gonna have to. It's close only a Wikipedia matter of time. Now these I'm things. reading her Wikipedia page. So, <laughs> it is detention. At school, this is where we're introduced to Jacob. And Jacob's been fighting David, but that's not like him. Um, no, it isn't. No, very, very out of character I mean, for Jacob. The only times we see him in this episode, he's like an angry outsider. So, I mean, it's not, it's not yeah. a huge leap in logic. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, the sort of the I will say the contrast between Jacob under the influence of the amulet and. Uh, and just regular Jacob. It's it's not it's not like he was, you know, this this sweet shy little awkward kid before. No, is it? Far from it. Yeah, 
Anyway. Um, but he's got a big blue mark on his hand. And we're mm. introduced to Steve, Steve-O, who calls Jacob yeah. a freak. And when he says, oh, don't call me not, a freak. Not a very creative insult, is it? Time. So in a horrible yeah. big monster voice, Jacob tells him to shut up. And then he does, and he can't talk anymore. Mm. Nightmare scenario. Uh, but yeah. when Jacob issues this command, the big blue mark on his hand grows. And whilst all this is happening, the Rani is watching through the window. She's waiting for her dad to pick her <laughs> yeah. up after school. She's just spying on detention yeah. for some reason. Uh, and yeah, bit of an odd thing to do. Yeah. Like, I mean... Maybe she heard the commotion beforehand. I don't know. I I kind of got the impression that she'd just been standing there watching anyway. Yeah, for lack of probably speaking to do. down at the bad kids, like staring through the window, yeah. just going, "Idiots! Look at them all, so stupid!" You know. She really just needs to just have someone get her a Nintendo DS or something. Yeah. You know, it's better things she could she be, be playing doing with Snake her on her phone from in two thousand and eight. Yeah, easily. Um. But Jacob becomes consumed by his mark. So he runs off to go hide yeah. in the toilet where the Rani goes to help him. So he asks the pendant yes. to make everything stop, which it does. And when he drops it, the Rani picks it up. Why? Why? Yeah. There's, there's no investigative skills in this program, is it? If your job is like saving the world and you see someone acting a bit weird and they drop a blue glowing pendant, you wouldn't just like go, oh, I'll have that. I'll take that home with me. Yeah. You, you definitely, or something I've noticed is, is this show has really given up on trying to find a rational explanation for why there are so many weird occurrences and alien happenings centred on this one small sort of like London suburb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like why 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 is it happening why why is so many events centered around this one school and, and its well, inhabitants? It, it's not like you know, Buffy had the hell mouth and it, you know, Torchwood has the rift. Yeah. That, there's no, no say, attempt even, at an explanation even here. Even knew who just went, oh, there's some sort of energy rift here and just sort of waves it away, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but there's there's there's, there's literally no explanation here. It's just I don't know, Sarah Jane managed to choose a house in the perfect location to to have an inexhaustible supply of extraterrestrial hijinks. Yeah, new one every week. Convenient. Yeah. Um, but elsewhere, over on Bannerman Road, Sarah Jane drops Luke yeah. off at Clyde's house for a sleepover. But it's not sleepover because we're not girls. You're just staying over, all right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we find I mean, out Clyde wants to be, to be an artist. To... He wants to be the next Banksy. And then the Sarah Jane Adventures insistence on focusing on food continues because Clyde's mum's like, look, it's spag bol for tea tonight. And then the Rani and her dad are ordering a Chinese. Like, every episode, it's just yeah. like, oh, 
what's everyone? Ha- I mean, I know we've got like a whole segment called what. Basically, what have you eaten? Yeah, week? I was going to say, big, but like popcorn every episode, black, isn't it? it's just like such detail. Like, oh, it's tea time. We're having spag ball. Okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, I I appreciated that we are finally getting a look at Clyde's family because you know he's been around since. Start of series one, yeah, I think or near enough. Um, but like this whole time, there was so much focus on Maria's family, and and just Clyde is just well. I mean, I I guess he has a home. I, I assume he was some sort of <laughs> seems like he just think of the dump character. Yeah, you almost get that impression, don't you? So it's nice to finally have a bit of context, and I think, and I think if nothing else, this episode does do a good job of fleshing out. Clyde as a character and uh, giving us a bit more context for who he is. So, as we say, Rani and her dad are ordering a Chinese, but her dad doesn't like Chinese. Yeah. But when yeah. the Rani says, oh, go on, the pendant makes him really want a Chinese. And then yeah. it makes him hop. Dun, dun, dun. Then it makes him do an impression of Bianca from EastEnders. Then he's a lion. And then he forgets what he's been doing this whole time when she says, oh, you just die if you could see yourself. Yeah. Because it turns out Rani has got the mark of the berserker. Yeah. Not the mark of the Rani. Well, I think we're going to get um, there. I still think there's a turn in that character's arm <laughs> somewhere. Maybe. Right, then Jacob arrives. Yeah. And of course, you know... As this teacher at the beginning says, it's not like him to be aggressive. He just turns up and he's like, you've got the pendant. What's going on? I, I'm not a fan of Jacob mm. and I don't like his haircut either. So no. he demands no. to see the Rani's hand and he explains that he found the pendant in a hole. David, for ten points, what was he doing in a hole? Now, if this is actually is this actually uh, mentioned on the episode? No, because I'll be honest. Uh, it I just watched, goes out. Oh, they were I, digging a hole, okay. and I found it. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what he was doing in that hole? Um, but yeah, right. So he thinks it's evil. So the Rani says, "Right, I know who can help us here." So she goes to summon Mister Smith, but he's unavailable. He's just put a little out-of-office message up. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, over yeah, at we Clyde's don't, house... Yeah, we don't get, we don't get the whole... We that he's a very... Yeah, we don't get the whole massive fanfare and uh, wind machines and everything else. No, quite the opposite. We normally get with Mr. Smith. Dull intro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, over at Clyde's house again... Uh, Luke learns that Clyde's a talented artist and they have this like amazing rapport when they're going to sleep of saying goodnight to each other and goodnight to Clyde's mum and just really annoying everyone. And then we... I, You know what? I'm going to... St- I, I don't know how you felt about that scene. I'm going to stick up for it. I thought that that was very good writing for characters of those age that that they felt in that moment like very believable 15 year old boys 
who are a, a, a bit giddy because they're having a sleepover, even though they don't want to admit it's a sleepover. Okay. You know what I mean? I thought I thought that was well observed. Uh, see, what I observed was the following morning, where it just looked like Clyde's mum was cooking chicken for breakfast. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, didn't pick up on that. It showed you that Rani making was. some toast, but then Clyde's mum just appeared to be yeah. cooking chicken breasts at like seven in the morning. <laughs> she might have been getting them ready to pop in the slow cooker or something. You don't know. Uh, maybe. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. Right. So, where are we up to? Oh, this is the turning point of the episode. It's where Clyde's dad turns up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, I... I yeah. It was only right at the very end, when Sarah Jane turns up, mm-hmm. that I realised that his name was Paul. Now, all the way through oh, the yeah. episode, in my notes, I've called him Gary. And I don't really know why. <laughs> and then ah. I googled it, and the actor's name is Gary which is coincidence. And then, did you recognise this actor from Anything, David? I felt like I did, but I didn't look it up. Uh, He's one of the policemen in Operation Good Guys, and his character name is Gary. So I think on some level, I just (laughs) know he was Gary. Yeah. Yeah. um, He he looks like a Gary, to be fair to him. Mm. Um... Okay, I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. I think his performance is one of the biggest drawbacks of this story. Oh, really? I don't don't think it's... I don't think it's terrible. Far from it. But I think he plays it 10% too broad. Like he plays it like he's in a typical CBBC sitcom. Yeah. Whereas, I think you know, with with Sarah Jane Adventures, I mean, it has this tone problem sometimes anyway. But when Sarah Jane Adventures is at its best, it feels quite keeping in tone with a typical slice of RTD era New Who. Yeah. Um, only, you know, holding back a little more on the scares. And I feel like um, if he was on You Who with a good director, they would have stepped in and said, could we just bring that back in just a little bit? Um, Because, I mean, I mean, he's doing the very, very tropey kind of deadbeat dad thing, but it feels... Like, he seems annoying and insufferable to the point where, like, how would you have ever persuaded someone to marry you in the first place? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think, where... Yeah. What have we seen in other new heroes? I know there's Rose Tyler's dad who's not there, then comes back. Have we seen anyone else where their, their dad's gone AWOL and appeared? I can't think of any. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, no. Mm. But, yeah, I don't... I don't know. And plus, like, think of the target audience. Is it... If you were somebody who, you know, had perhaps lost your dad, you know, maybe he'd left the family home, 
is this a real considerate, compassionate way to address that? Like, I, I know the I, I know the aim I is to it's... make it appear like he's a complete moron, which, which yeah, he is. Yeah. But then, like, I don't know. It didn't sit that comfortable. I mean, with that's me. the thing. Like, so, I mean, the thing is, it is it is true. Some people have dads who are every bit as as bad, if not worse, <laughs> than this bloke, and you know who do just like get get a couple of years into fatherhood, decide that, that they can't hack it and just run away. Mm-hmm. It, it, do, it does happen. Um, but I feel like they, they, they really lay it on with a trowel in this story. Mm-hmm. And also it's... There's nothing wrong with showing that if you've got other media that's showing other types of uh, families where parents have split up and, 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 and they show it in a way where, where, it, where it can and does function. Because I think I think for every, I mean, I hate the term, broken home, where, where the parents don't get on, I think you'll probably find two or three examples where they they can at least keep things pretty amicable and it's not a case that what any you know either parent was entirely at fault and it was just it was a lot more complicated than that and and everyone is doing their best to try and keep the kids interests at heart i think that is probably the more common outcome of most family breakups than what becomes the the common trope that you see on TV, which is one or the other parents is a complete sort of waste of space and it's down to the long-suffering uh, other parents to kind of try and keep things together and provide for their child. Mm-hmm. You know... Um, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm ranting a little bit, but obviously that's... I, 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 have, I have a degree of personal experience of this. Um... And and I and I and I and I really appreciate the all too rare examples that you do get in mainstream media where it does portray a family where parents aren't together, but the family still functions reasonably well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess I guess the trouble is there's less drama in that. Yeah. And and you know it means you have to be more creative in what you do. It, it, it's it's something that I, you know. It's my second time talking about Ant Man today, but it's something that I really love the Ant Man films for. Is that they show a situation where a relationship's broken up, but it it it's not that any neither parent loves the child any less for it, or you know, everyone is trying in their own way to do the best they can. Yeah. For that family regardless of whether or not the parents are together and it's not a situation where it's like um the 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 happy ending is getting the parents back together it's like no that relationship's ended and it's and it's better off staying ended but you know that doesn't mean that there's not still a a, a bond of love when, when it comes to the child anyway I, like i said massively rambling at this point i apologize matt let's move yeah. on <laughs> right so He's been in Germany and has been away for the last five years. And when given the option, Clyde decides actually, yes, I would like to spend some time with him. And 
Weirdly, he goes out and just leaves Luke at his house with his mum. I, yeah, I bet that's not the yeah. weekend Luke was expecting. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. He's adaptable, though, that Luke. Um, so, at this point, the Rani calls Luke and says, meet me back at school. So, whilst uh, Clyde is out with his dad, he starts questioning him and, you know, asking... Mm. You know, why did you run away? And it turns off he'd run away with Auntie Mel, Clyde's mum's sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then he tells, and like I say, I've crossed out the word Gary and written Paul in block capitals. Um, he confesses to Paul that he saves the world, but Paul doesn't really get it. He thinks, you know, this is all part of Clyde's games with Luke. So mm-hmm. Clyde takes him to the attic. How did they get in? It's a good question. Yeah. And I mean, because obviously Rani got in earlier as well, didn't she? Yeah, but then we, we yeah. get the feeling Rani might have been left a key because she's there to water the plants. Oh. But then, I don't know. So I think Rani's Maybe dad Rani just is didn't quite lock right up. in questioning, like, why are you coming out of a locked house? Yeah, it's fair enough. So once in the attic... He shows his dad a holographic postcard to Maria. And it's the first time we get a little nod back to Maria being part of the series. But Paul just sees this as a business opportunity. He thinks, oh, if I get this, I'll be able to sell it. We can mass produce it. We'll make an absolute fortune. Which Clyde doesn't really appreciate. Until Mm -hmm. uh, Paul hears the pendant from earlier. Rani had hung it up in the attic to, you know, safekeep yeah. until Sarah Jane's back. <coughs> Pretty sound plan, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Rani's dad questions how they broke in, and Clyde says he's watering the plants, but that's the same excuse that Rani gave. So, when mm-hmm. Clyde's dad, Paul, just says, oh, come on, mate, just drop it, Rani's dad drops the pizzas. Again, just this infatuation with food. Uh, and when <laughs> to Paul be fair, says, it's you know, you know they set the pizzas up earlier. Say again, sorry. It's 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 they set the pizzas up earlier. It's, it's Chekhov's pizza, isn't it? Yeah. You, you don't write a pizza in in Act One if you don't have someone uh, comically drop it on the floor in Act Three. Mm-hmm. That's just good uh, screenwriting. Uh, but then Paul also says, "Don't worry about the pizzas, mate. You should do, get some exercise." So Rani's dad does. And he just does non-stop yeah. press-ups. Now, that is yeah. a circle of hell I would hate. Yeah, it's genuinely the most horrifying thing I think I've ever seen on Sarah Jane you know, Like, his shoulders just must have been on fire. Fair play to the actor. Yeah. But, you know, I know that yeah, he didn't yeah. really do it for, like, like, eight he... hours, but he did a better job. But he that. would have had to have done a fair few. You know, they shot it from quite a few angles and, you know... Had to show him in, in uh, 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 you know, they cut back to him at various points in, uh, you know, increasing levels of physical distress. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I probably would not have been capable of doing that. No, no. Um, if I, if yeah. they had to film me doing press ups, it'd be like when they filmed Game of Thrones. There'd be two teams, a day team and a night team. And, you know, it would be a mass undertaking. 
<laughs> so the Rani and Luke, and they'd have to up. fix it in post anyway. And Rani says, "Oh, have you been? Have you been?" Yeah. She basically racially profiles Clyde's dad. Goes, "Have you been stealing?" <laughs> uh, but Clyde gets defensive and says, "You know what you yeah. said about my dad." But it turns out that he had, and he puts on the pendant, uh. and he says to Clyde, "Oh, just forget Luke and Rani." And that's where the episode yeah. ends, where he's got the mark of the berserker. Yeah. So yeah, pretty pretty strong, but I think yeah, this it's is not probably, a bad, it's not a bad probably my issue is that Clyde's dad goes from being a deadbeat to an out and out evil presence. I don't know whether he's corrupted mm. by the berserker, but. Yeah. It's unclear, isn't it? Because you know, we've got we've got the example of Jacob. Have you noticed as well how Jacob is just completely forgotten? Oh yeah, he's, in this whole he's been thing. Gone. Like who knows yeah, who knows what other havoc he'd caused with it that that is just completely not not addressed. He's probably gone he to hang out with that free. Kelsey girl from the pilot in the other part yeah. of the school that we don't see very much of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's the thing. Some of the choices that Clyde's dad makes, um, put him into the category of being maybe not irredeemable, but hard to hand wave away in the space of a twenty-five minute episode. You know. I I felt like when it was all kind of hugs and forgiveness at the end of this story, that it was too soon for that, maybe? Mm. Given some of what Clive's dad did. And and to be clear, I'm not talking about, you know, thieving a few togs and, and and a flash car. I'm talking about essentially kind of gaslighting on steroids, which is what he does by making Clyde forget about the people who love him. Mm-hmm. That's some pretty high-grade nefariousness right there, isn't it? Like, I, I know we have to get to the ending first, but also it's important yeah. to mention that they, they don't mind-wipe Clyde's dad, so he's just totally aware of everything that's going on still. He's just in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. Yeah. I mean, how much damage yeah. can you really do over in Germany? Right. <laughs> Episode two opens with Clyde and Paul hanging out. Uh, Paul now has the mark of the berserker. Yeah. Luke and Rani try to make a plan, so they call Sarah Jane, who is in a hospital hunting alien slugs. Yes, yeah, now... I'm not one for ragging on poor quality CGI as a rule. Um, because this was what, 2009 this was made, maybe? And uh, on a CBBC budget at that. Okay, well, there you go. So. They gave it a go, didn't they? I think what bothers me more than anything is not the quality of the CGI, but the. The, the Tom and Jerry levels of cartoonishness mm. in its design. I don't know. Was, and, you know. was this a Sarah Jane-like episode? Would she have been doing school... Re- no, school reunion's been and gone. What would she have been doing? Yes. 
I think she just had other commitments. Okay. I think I read when I read on Wikipedia, it was just I think she had other work commitments not related to this show. Right. Um, so they just they 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 knew that they only had her for a limited period. So they were like, right, well, to keep our episode count up, we'll 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 include one story that um, she's basically not featured in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, or it might be they do the thing because often in 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 Doctor Who, it was a case that you'd have the Doctor Light story and then the companion Light story, and it's because they would be shooting them concurrently, mm-hmm. uh, like on different locations or in or in different sets. Um, so maybe we will we will have an episode this series where it's heavy on Sarah Jane and then very light on on the kids. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Right. Um, so, instead, they called Maria, who is in America. So, it, it's good that, yeah. like, they just haven't totally written her out. Like, I think it would have been a shame if yes. she was pretty much the main character in the first series and then all of a sudden just gone. Yeah, so. yeah. It feels like the door is definitely, at the very least, ajar for a full-scale return at some point. Yeah, you like know. if we need her, the opportunity is there. Yeah. Um, so it turns out they actually want to talk to her dad because he's the best hacker on planet Earth. Yeah. They ask him to hack <laughs> unit and oh, search. For... They've not met Mickey, have they? Say again, sorry. They've not they've not met Mickey and his foolproof buffalo method. Oh yeah, that is true. Um, so yeah, they search the unit database for the pendant. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Paul gets a free Porsche, and whilst Luke mm-hmm. calls Clyde, Clyde maintains he doesn't know who he is now because he's forgotten them all. So just puts the phone down. Uh, we cut to the Rani's dad, who's still exercising, still stuck in hell. And yeah. Maria's dad finds an image of the pendant user, sees what happens when you become the berserker. Mm. And it ain't good. Let me tell you that for nothing, yeah. David. No, indeed. So I, I didn't really understand this bit because they're like, oh, the berserkers, uh, actually, they people used to think they were animal first, but they actually became something terrifying. But... At no point does Paul turn furry. He just gets big blue veins on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I said last week I was hoping for, you know, a proper alien with, you know, proper costume or, or, or creature makeup or something. And uh, I'll be honest, bright, you know, bright blue veins and uh, some white contact lenses do not cut it as far as I'm concerned. Still waiting on that. Um, okay. So, Clyde spots, spots, sorry, the mark growing on his dad. And Maria Mm -hmm. starts seeing the berserkers online and learns that they are aliens. Oh, no. Uh, They locate Mm -hmm. Clyde using unit technology because he's gone shopping with his dad. And then, again, this fixation with food. Once they finished shopping, David, they just run over a kebab. Yeah. Right. So, uh, 
The Rani and Luke pursue Clyde now in Clyde's mum's car. Uh, Clyde and Paul have a chat again about him leaving. And Paul just says, oh, you've got to forget all about this. Just forget about your mum. But of course, that means he literally forgets. Mm-hmm. So, the Rani and Luke can now track Clyde on the sat-nav. Uh, Gary, I keep saying Gary, it's Paul, isn't it? I don't know why I was obsessed with him being called Gary. Uh, looks in the rearview <laughs> mirror of the car and sees himself becoming the berserker. And yeah. it turns out that previously, when Clyde was young, he said, oh, I'm going to show you the world. So he takes him down to the marina to steal a yacht so he can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they arrive, Luke, Rani and Clyde's mum are also there. And Clyde doesn't know his mum, doesn't recognise him, as Paul becomes more and more of a berserker. At the point mm. you think everything's just about to go wrong, Sarah Jane arrives because Clyde still recognises her. He still trusts her. Uh, so he implores his dad to be better. And that causes Paul to remember the good old days. So he snaps off the pendant, which breaks the spell. Uh, and we find out that Maria's dad had called Sarah Jane. He'd used unit computers to track her or something. Yeah. Okay. So I've just I've just had a thought. A thought. Has it previously been established that if you just take off the pendant, it will undo the 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 sort of spells you've cast with it? I don't know because I don't when think... what was his name, uh, Jacob, when he did it, he verbally yeah. said, "I want it all to stop," and that stopped it. Yeah. Yeah, but we didn't get... I guess it's less dramatic than just yanking it off. Um, So, yeah, when Clyde implores him to be better, that causes him to remember all the good old days when Clyde was little. Um, Yeah. So, we find out that Paul had run away from Germany because Auntie Mel had become pregnant and he was so worried he'd be a bad dad. So, whilst he's mm, not a great yeah. guy, it turns out Clyde really is. Because Clyde says, look, I don't need you, but that baby does. You've got to be better. Try harder this time. And that causes Paul to drive off. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not altogether convinced. No. From from the evidence we, we've been presented in this episode, is that baby better off... With um, with Paul as a dad, because yeah, he's quite clearly a horrible, evil tyrant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh well, yeah. Um, so Clyde speaks to his mum and makes sure she forgets everything. He doesn't want her to worry about aliens and all that stress. Uh, and he mm-hmm. eventually just chucks the pendant into the sea. I think that's a foolish decision. Uh, well, it is for a couple of reasons. One, we've already established that it has this sort of corrupting element to it in, you know, classic classic magic item style. Um, secondly, this does actually, in thinking about it, immediately contradict, you know, that thing that we, 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 we were just talking about where uh, Paul rips off the pendant and it breaks the spell, whereas Clyde uses it to mind wipe his mum which you know 
again, we, this I, I don't understand this this episode's relationship to the whole sort of concept of of, of gaslighting and and messing around in people's memories, mm. um, and then by chucking it in the sea, does you know has he not? Yeah, then he's broken, broken that spell. Yeah. Instantly, if if the rules that we've literally just established earlier in this same scene are to be believed, uh, but anyway, I I think this is probably something we shouldn't be getting hung up on, and it's just basically a way of being like, we've we don't want to have to deal with Clyde's mum being aware of of stuff yet. Mm. So uh, yeah. So the episode ends with Clyde resolving things with Sarah Jane. You know, he says thank you. Yeah. Um, and he asks about her parents. And she takes out a little black and white photo, gives it a little look, yeah. has a little cry. The end. Yeah, yeah. So we find out that Sarah Jane lost her parents when she was very young, which I don't. I th- I'm I'm pretty certain that's new information. Yeah, I think we knew she lived with her auntie, didn't she, Aunt Petunia? Am I right? Oh yeah, in uh, Canine Company. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think in her actual Doctor Who run, we get almost no biographical information about Sarah Jane whatsoever. Okay. You know, all we basically know is she's young and she's uh, a um, journalist and she's, you know, and she's got plenty of spunk and chutzpah. And that's about it, you know. That's all you needed, really, (laughs) to be a companion back in the day. It's like, what parents? Well, I suppose she's got some somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, that's very much the classic Who way of doing things. (laughs) But, yeah, Um, not the strongest. But, you know, I think we've been spoilt recently. Possibly. I, I mean, I will say, taken as a whole, Series 2 the, so far is already much stronger than Series oh, 1. Oh, it's light years. I feel, like, yeah. I feel like it just... And it's not that they've made any drastic changes, necessarily, other than, I guess, introducing Rani. Um, it, it's the same show, but it just feels like they've... They've tightened up some of those loose screws and, and, and it's just, it seems to be operating more efficiently, if you like, yeah. as a show at this point. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see whether or not that continues when we dive in next episode, Matt, to, um, I looked it up and I thought I'd memorised it, but it's gone straight out of my head. The Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith. So, um, yeah, it certainly sounds like we're going to be focusing in on Sarah Jane again uh, for the next one. Which will be interesting. So, very much looking forward to that. But until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.